The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in the Psalms. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Well, good morning, church. Um, We are at the start of a brand new series this morning, and over the next couple weeks, we're going to be digging into the book of Psalms together. The Psalms are unique. Uh, They are meant to be read, sung, studied, memorized. They're meant to be stood upon, And, and here's the incredible thing is God's people have been using the Psalms for this for over 3,000 years. Um, There's a few important things that I want us to see just as we enter into the Psalms before we get to Psalm 1. Number one is that the Psalms reveal the truth about our God. Meaning, what the Psalms do is, is they, they talk about who he is, his character, his, his love, his heart, his attributes. And as we study the Psalms, we grow in our understanding of our God. We grow in our affection for our Lord because the Psalms reveal the truth about God. Number two is the Psalms reveal the truth about us. There are some shall we say, very human emotions that are on display in the Psalms. You're going to be reading the Psalms, and and at times you're going to say, can I say that to God? Like, is that legal for me? This is in the Bible. Should I? It is raw. Like, on one hand, you deal with joy and excitement and blessing and, 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 and all the good things in life, and then on the other hand, you deal with pain, grief, sorrow, sin, failure, and, and the Psalms just brings you this honest, this honesty when it comes to our human emotions. It is absolutely beautiful. And, and what it does is it gives us the ability to come before our God authentically and honestly with our own very wide array of emotions. Because the Psalms are honest about us and, and there's, again, there's going to be so many times that you're reading these psalms and you're going to say, I know exactly how that feels. I love the psalms. They're so, I think the word that I, I like the most is raw. Uh, number three, they reveal the truth about life. And psalms reveal the truth about life. So these were written in some of the best times and some of the worst times through peace, through war, through prosperity and plenty, through times of scarcity. And, and the psalms are not only honest about us as humans. They're honest about the world we live in. This is not written about a fairy tale land. This is written about the world that we find ourselves in. And so here's what I want us to do. Each week, we're going to look at one psalm together. We're going to walk through, we're going to dig into one psalm uh, together. And, And as we do, here are my goals. Number one, because the psalms reveal the truth about God, my heart, my goal is that every time we leave this place, our understanding and our affection for the Lord grows That we grow in our heart for him because they are honest about who he is. Number two, because the Psalms are reveal the truth about us, my prayer, my hope is that each time we leave here, we grow in our ability to be able to come to the Lord as we are. 
that here's what that means, that our prayer lives begin to flourish as a result of spending time in God's word in the Psalms. Number three, um, because the Psalms reveal the truth about life, my hope, my goal, my prayer is that we will each grow in our ability to follow after Jesus through all of the ups and all of the downs of life, that we grow in our ability to follow after him. So to that end, I want us to start right at the beginning in Psalm 1. Psalm 1, we're going to talk about what it means to be blessed by God, but before we do, church, would you just bow with me and let's come to the Lord, let's give him this time, let's come to him in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the opportunity that that we have been given to come together and to look at it. God, and as we do this, would you cause us not to simply hear and forget, but would you grow us and would you, would you change us? That we would not just read your word, but we, that we would let your word, in a sense, read us. Would you give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, hearts that are open, and above all, would you draw us to your son, Jesus, this morning? Um, and it's all in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so let's talk about the man who is blessed, and let's talk about what this blessed man does and what he does not do. Uh, let's start in verse one. Blessed is the man who, you ready? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So we start here with three negatives. Blessed people don't do these three things, right? We start with three negatives, and I want us to walk through each one of them. Let's start with this first one, Um, that he does not walk, a blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So when we see the word walk here, this is a reference to life, all of life. Uh, This is why one of the most common expressions we use as Christians is our walk with the Lord. It's our life with the Lord. It's, it, it, it encapsulates all of us. And so here, blessed is the man who does not walk or does not live his life in the counsel of the wicked. Now, one more clarification here. When you see this word, or the words counsel of the wicked, I don't want you to think of like advice. Like, I don't want you to read this and be like, well, I can't remember the last time I went through something tough and thought, who can I call that's wicked to get their advice, Right? I don't want you to think about that. Walking in the counsel of the wicked is so much bigger than that. When we say, when it says counsel of the wicked, I think a better term to use is the ways of the wicked. Um, the ways of the wicked, meaning their advice, their goals, their, uh, their ambitions, their values, their principles, their practices. Blessed is the man who does not live his life, walk in the way, um, in the counsel of the wicked, who does not live his life in the ways of the wicked. Blessed is the man who looks different from the wicked, who is set apart, who has different goals, different values, different passions, different drives, different ambitions. Blessed is the man who is not a poster child for the world who is not so conformed to the world that his life makes perfect sense to the world. Blessed is that man who does not make sense to the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. This man is blessed. Now, I'm gonna say this a couple times this morning, but I think it's really sad and 
heartbreaking when we as Christians or when we as teachers miss this, when we boil down the Christian faith to a list of don'ts, do this, don't do this, as though Christianity was somehow this way of robbing all the joy and fun out of life. When we look at Christianity, this is not, let me say it like this, this is not the Christianity that the scriptures talk about. This scripture says, this man is blessed, not cursed. This man is blessed. There is a joy in not following down the path that the world is following. There is a joy in understanding that the way of Jesus is one path and the way of the world is the other. And listen, they don't merge in the end. There's a joy in knowing that, and blessed is the man who does not walk down that road, who does not go the way of the wicked. And the second one, let's build on this, is blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners. So as we think about that road, I want you to think about just a road that that people are on, and as we watch them go down, this is the way of the world, and we just see them going down this path. Blessed is the man, not only that doesn't go and follow after them, but blessed is the man who doesn't go and seek to stand in the road. I think for whatever reason, when I was thinking of this, I thought of uh, 1604. (laughs) Busy road, cars, fast, busy highway. Blessed is the man who doesn't stand on that, right? You're going to get ran over. Blessed is the man who doesn't, is not so drawn to it that you just want to just be around it and stand, you're going to get ran over. And blessed is the man who does not, not only doesn't follow after, but blessed is the man who doesn't stand on the road, who doesn't even stand on that road. Um, And third, blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of, of scoffers. Now, a scoffer... I don't know, maybe you use this word a lot. I don't, and so I thought it would be helpful for us to kind of have a working definition on this. Um, a scoffer is, the most common definition I found, is an arrogant individual who despises an arrogant mockery the most sacred precepts of religion, piety, and morals. So in other words, a scoffer is a person who is always, always has a criticism or a ridicule for the things of God. And they're characterized by arrogance. No matter what definition you look up for scoffer, you're probably going to find a word arrogant in it. And in fact, you don't have to turn with me here, but Proverbs 21, 24 says, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Again, characterized by arrogance. And Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who doesn't even sit together with these people. Blessed is the man who doesn't take it on himself to sit there and engage in it. Blessed is the man who does not surround himself in that company or engage in that behavior. Blessed is the man. Now, I want us to see three things before we move on from this verse. Number one, I want us to see the totality of these statements. There's a reason he uses the language he does. You'll notice stand, sit, um, walk, uh, the totality of these statements. In other words, don't let your life be defined by this no matter what you do. There's a totality here. Whatever you do, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in their way, stand in their path, sit in their seats. Blessed is the man who's not marked by the wicked world around them. There's a totality here. Um, 
and there, I don't want to say this before we move on. There is an unmatched blessing and joy when we don't even play this game. When we don't even, you know, I think of not just teenagers do this, but teenagers definitely do this, where they have the rule and we want to get as close to that rule as possible without breaking it. How far can I go? How close can I get? Kind of thing. Um, Christians, sometimes we operate like this. Like, how close can I get? There is a joy in just not even playing that game. Not standing, not walking, not sitting, that we don't play the game. Now, along with that, um, I want you to notice something. This is not a call to never associate with wicked people. This is not a call for us like, to tuck ourselves away to become a hermit. Right? I, I have some bad news for you. Wherever you go, there will at least be one sinner with you. You can fill, that, fill in the blank there. We cannot escape wickedness. And our call is not to escape wickedness. Um, the, the psalmist is calling us to the counsel of the wicked, the way of the sinner, the seat of the scoffer. Let me say it like this. Um, this is a call to guard ourselves from the influence of the wicked, not the presence of the wicked. Does that make sense? This is a call to guard our lives from the influence of the wicked, not to guard ourselves from the very presence of the wicked, because we can't be a follower of Christ and hold to that. Our Savior came, and, and until he comes again and makes all of this right, we're going to be surrounded by, in the presence of wickedness, and we're called to be a light, the same way Christ stepped in, ate with sinners, dwelled with those who were the furthest thing that, that the religious people would think would come to God. He dwelled with them. He came. He ate with them. The call has never been to remove ourselves from the presence of the wicked. But blessed is the man who isn't influenced by the wicked. Blessed is that man. And third, along with that, notice the importance of your company. Notice the importance of, of who you are surrounding yourself with, your friends. Notice the importance of discipleship. We often talk about discipleship, right, as, as a good thing, which it is a good thing. But there is also a wicked discipleship in the sense that you are always being discipled by someone in something. Always. And, and this psalm reminds us, blessed is the man who is not allowing himself to be discipled by the wicked. Blessed is this man. Now, I want us to look in verse two. It says, but, or instead, and, and I want to just tell you this, so much of this psalm hinges on this. This is, this is a huge verse. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So blessed is the man who delights in, who finds pleasure in, who, um, who finds his affection stirred. Some translations say who finds his thrill in, in, in the law. Now, this term law, let's talk about this for a moment. Um, some of us are thinking, is this like the Ten Commandments here? Am I supposed to be like just really excited about the Ten Commandments and delighting in these things? And is this what, yes and no. Some of you are like, well, is it like Deuteronomy, all the laws in Deuteronomy and Leviticus? Is this what I'm supposed to be giddy about? And some of you are honestly going, every 
scripture reading plan I've ever done. Those books are rough. They're not, delight wouldn't be, right? We can be honest. Um, Is that what this text, when it says delight in the law of the Lord, is that what it's calling us to? Yes and no. Um, The term law is simply the term that means instruction, Same word, instruction. So the law of the Lord is literally the instruction of the Lord. And the reason I say yes and no is because this includes the Ten Commandments, yes. But it is not, it is so much bigger than simply the Ten Commandments. It includes Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but it is so much bigger. They they are certainly a part of it. But hear me, the instruction of God, the law of God, is the fullness of his word to us. The fullness of his word, uh, the word of God. He has told us who he is. He has told us what he has done. And he has also given us instruction for how we can live in obedience. He's given us this. And I want you to think about something. As David wrote this over a thousand years before Jesus, when he wrote this, when he wrote and when he referred to the delight in the law of the Lord, he was referring to every bit of scripture that he had. He was referring to every bit of scripture, all the written word of God. And the same is true when we read this psalm. This is referring to every bit of scripture that we have, referring to the full written word of God. We have the law of the Lord. We have the instruction of the Lord, and blessed is the man who delights in it. Blessed is the man who finds his pleasure in it, who is deeply satisfied in this. Use your imagination with me. Blessed is the man who gets this Giddy excitement at the very thought of being able to sit down with us. Blessed is the man who, before his alarm goes off, wakes up thinking, I wonder if it's time that I can get up and that I could spend time and pick this up. Blessed is the man who has to force himself to close this. Just just force yourself to close. Because you know the kids can't feed themselves. Bills can't pay themselves. But if they could, I wouldn't be closing this. Blessed is the man who knows that you need to get some sleep. But oh, just a little longer. Just a little more. Just a little bit more. Blessed is the man who simultaneously is fully satisfied in this. And yet... Never satisfied in this. Always coming back to it. Always coming back and and praying that God would speak. Never satisfied. Am I describing you? You are blessed. You are blessed. Blessed. This becomes not a task, a chore, a mundane thing we check off. These are God's thoughts, God's word. This is life, this is joy, this is pleasure, this is delight. And not just delight for the pastor, but delight for every one of his children who wants to hear from God. Delight, sheer joy. 
I'm not even content with someone else telling me secondhand what this says. I want to know it. I want to be in it. I want to wrestle with it. I want to know God and know Jesus through his word. Blessed is the man who delights in this. Blessed is this man. Um, again, it absolutely saddens me. When the church, when Christians miss this and we make our faith about all those things, all that fun that we can't have, when we make our faith about denying delights, nothing could be further from the truth. The Christian faith is not about denying delight. The Christian faith is just about saying no to the lesser delights so that we can embrace the true and greatest delight. The Christian faith is not about denying delights. It's about delighting in the right things. Delighting in the things that will never leave us dry. And blessed is the man who delights himself in in the Lord in his word. This delight is rich. It is deep. It is joyous. The Christian faith is all about delight. We just choose to delight in the right thing. We choose to delight in the right thing. And then the text says, and and meditates on it day and night. (laughs) Meditate. So, So get this, when we do have to finally go to work, when we do have to do this, and we have to go about our days, when that actually happens, then it just says we meditate on it day and night. Meaning, it's so entrenched in our hearts, in our minds, it fills our hearts that we cannot help but meditate on it day and night. Our delight is in it, even when it's closed. That when we're driving in our car, we're thinking about God and his word. And when we're at work, we're thinking about God's instructions to us. When we are at, in class We're thinking about God's plan for us and we're so distracted that we have to constantly be trying to get ourselves to focus back on the task at hand. So much of us is delighting in, we just cannot wait to get back and sit in it. Like a warm blanket of comfort. Like a cold drink of water to a thirsty mouth in the heat of July like that feeling that you get when you crawl in bed after a long day and the sheets have been washed and the bed has been made. You know what I'm talking about? That's awesome. (laughs) I don't care who you are, that is awesome. Let's be honest though. Can a person really feel that way? Can a person truly feel that way about the Bible? I mean, come on, it sounds like a crazy person, doesn't it? Can a person literally and actually feel this way? Hear me, church. Yes. Yes. And blessed is the man who does. Blessed is the man who does. Some of you have experienced this in your life. Some of you are in a season right now where you're experiencing this, right now. And you can say yes and amen. Some of you still think I am absolutely crazy. And I want to tell you, if this was just a natural thing, I would totally agree with you. 
If this was just about reading an ancient book, eh, I would agree with you. I would 100% agree with you, but this is not a natural thing here. This is not just encountering an ancient book. Church, we are encountering God himself. God in his word. We don't conjure up delight that we're supposed to be having. It's not like we have to come to it and be like, delight, come on. We don't have to do, that's not the picture. What, when, we, when you try to force yourself to have fun at anything, does it ever happen? No. That's not how it works. Church, the picture that, that is painted is when we come to him in his word, we experience him. When we come to him in his word, we ask him to speak and our desire for him grows because he created us with this desire and only he himself knows how to fill it. And when we come to him, we encounter God in his word. To encounter his word is to encounter him and blessed is the man who delights in the word because to delight in the word is to delight in him. Blessed is this man. And let me tell you what this man is like. Let's look at the next verse. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. I love that imagery. I want you to picture a very dry, Middle Eastern countryside with a stream running through it, and all along that stream, there are trees that are flourishing. All along it, just why? Because they receive the nutrients that they need so that Regardless of what weather conditions are like, regardless of heat or, or regardless of lack of rain, regardless of conditions, that tree is planted by the stream and it has everything that it needs to survive and to thrive. Everything planted by the stream, having all that he needs. Blessed is the man who delights in this, he is like a, a tree that is planted beside everything he will ever need. No matter what comes, I, I have everything I need. I have it all. It, that's, just, that's just awesome. And I want you to, I want you to think about this. Um, the tree yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. See, this is not painting the picture of a tree that's getting by. This is not painting the picture of a tree that's barely surviving. This is painting the picture, the psalmist paints a picture of a tree that is vibrant, living and thriving and fruitful and beautiful and prosperous. That's the picture that the psalmist paints. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord because that person is not just limping through, not just barely surviving. No, that, that person, church, is planted firmly so that in every single circumstance, every up, every down of life, they had everything that they need in, in God himself. This person is vibrant. This person is blessed because they are connected to the life-giving word of God in church. That is absolute delight. Why on earth would we walk in the, the counsel of the wicked? Why would we want to stand on the way of 
the sinners? Why would we, why on earth would we be enticed to sit in a seat of mockery and scoffing and arrogance at the word of God? Understanding this, church, will give us the freedom to look the world in the eyes and say, I, I see where you're going. I hear what you're saying to me. No thanks. Because I know and I have experienced a delight that I cannot even fully explain to you in Jesus. But while we're at it, let me try. This changes everything. I'm rooted and planted with life pumping in my veins. And I don't want you to miss this. Think of the permanency here. We're not talking of a potted plant. It's not like we got put in a potted plant and brought to the stream to put beside. No, we are planted deep roots into the ground, not going anywhere. Come what may weather, come what may. Come what may with the rain, with the heat, I am planted. And let me contrast this with the wicked. As we look in the next verse, it says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now, this imagery here might be a little unfamiliar. Um, anyone winnowed this morning? Did some minor threshing? No? Um, so what this is, I, you have to ask. Someone might have. We live in a crazy world, right? Um, what this is, is the winnowing process is what they use to separate the good and useful wheat from the useless Chaff. So what they would do is they would get the crop and put it on the threshing floor. And they would, what's called winnow it, which they would take it and throw it up in the air. And what would happen is, is the wheat was heavier. So when they throw it up in the air, the wheat would just go dunk and fall down, whereas the chaff was very light. So when they throw it up in the air, the wind would come and blow the chaff away. And so what would happen is through this process, they would purify their crop, and they would, what would be left is the useful wheat, what would be blown away is the useless, worthless chaff. So, I want you to consider this imagery for a moment. What we just saw is that the blessed man, the righteous man, is like a tree planted into the ground, not going anywhere, not moved, no matter the weather, wind. He's planted, stable, unshaken, unshakable. In contrast, we see the wicked is like chaff, which is so impacted by the wind, which is driven away, that they don't even stand, they don't endure, they don't last. The wind blows them away, driven away. They do not stand. And to see this a little more clearly, look at verse five. Therefore, the wicked will not, what? Stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The idea of standing here, by the way, is not just this, right? The idea of standing here is, is this idea of maintaining your cause, it's this idea of holding your own. That's to stand, right? I, I saw in a Hebrew dictionary, it says to be unhurt, unshaken, and unterrified. That's what it means to stand. And so here is what we see. In the last day, as they stand before the Lord, the wicked will have no confidence, comfort, or support. 
they will not be able to stand. Jonathan Edwards says that they will not carry with them their cause. They will not carry with them their cause. They won't stand before the Lord with chest puffed out. They won't hold to their way, to their scoffing. Um, Church, we know through the Bible that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because he is. Every knee, every tongue. And I want you to think about something for a moment. We could kind of sum up the whole Christian faith as we think about, it kind of boils down to this. We're taking that response that we will have one day. We're taking that response that we are going to have when we see Jesus face to face. And we're simply choosing to have that response now. All of Christianity boils down to this. We're taking what we know we will do later and we're saying, why wait? I want it now. I I choose now, I choose today to stand in Christ today knowing that it is only through Christ that I can stand. Only through Christ that I am able to and rooted both now and forever. The wicked do not know this truth. They do not stand driven by the wind. And in our final verse, in verse six, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, um, when it says the Lord knows the way of the righteous, this knowing signifies more than just knowing about. I mean, think about it. Our, our, our Lord's omniscient. He knows it all. So, of course he knows, right? This word carries with it a, a approval, a love, a care to deal mercifully with. And the wonderful and beautiful truth about this for the blessed, the righteous, is that, that God fully knows you. God fully knows you on your good days, on your bad days, in your... Your thoughts, your ambitions, your strengths, your weaknesses, he knows you. And in Christ, for those of us who are in Christ, the Lord knows, meaning he approves, he loves, he cares, he deals mercifully with you. You do not have to hide. The gospel says you can be both fully known and fully loved. Both fully known and fully loved. And as our lives conclude here on this earth, as we come to our final moment, just as we stand in Christ today, we'll stand with him then. The psalm ends, it says, the psalmist reminds us, but the way of the wicked will perish. That road we imagined earlier. As we see people going down that road Think of 1604, just people going down that road. That path, that way will dead end. The way of the wicked, as the psalmist says, will perish, it will end. A a commentator said, all the pomp, all the pride, the power, the plans, the pleasures, the hopes, the boastings, all of it will come to an abrupt end. And on that day, church, On that day, all that we will have is that which is eternal. 
whether it be an eternity with our God or whether it be an eternity separated from our God. I wasn't gonna do this, but I think I will. Uh, if you would, turn with me to John chapter three. Our text today in Psalms stands side by side with one of the most famous verses in all of our Bible. John three sixteen. that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The way of the wicked will perish, but whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, that in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Again, just like our psalm, we have the wicked proudly going down their path. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Listen to this, lest his works should be what? Exposed. Exposed. Remember our, our, our verse says the Lord knows the way of the righteous. We're exposed before our Lord. For the wicked, that is not good news. That is the last thing they want. Exposure, verse 21, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The righteous man who comes to the light, letting the light of God expose him, revealing the darkness, revealing those dark corners. Whoever does what is true comes to the light. And church, I want us to understand that this is not a call for us to come to the light after our time here on earth is done. This is a call to come to the light now, right now. Because here's the reality, when all of this is said and done, when our lives here are complete, all we will have is that which is eternal. All we will have, all of the other stuff will fade away and on that day, church, hear me, on that day, here is the only question. What are you left with? What are you left with? Because our psalm points us to the truth that blessed is the man who does not give himself to that which is perishing. But blessed is the man who pursues that which is eternal. And church, hear me, the only way you can pursue that which is eternal is to turn your eyes to Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. The invitation is really this. Come in your brokenness to God and receive forgiveness and grace through Jesus Christ. That's, that is the invitation. And it's not just for today, but 
come to him and receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace for all eternity. Come to Christ. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The only way we pursue that which is eternal is to turn our eyes to Jesus Christ, to believe in him, to call on him. And as we do, church, God has told us through his word, as we read in John, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we desire to be a people who delight in you, who delight in your word. But we know that unless you move in our hearts, unless you open our eyes, we cannot do that. We know that our hearts are ever and only on our sin. We are broken people. Lord, we are sinners. And apart from your grace, we wouldn't even desire you. God, would you come? Would you move in power in our hearts and would you give us the grace to desire you? We know our delight is in you and we know that that is an act of your grace. Lord, would you move in us? God, for those of us who have never responded in faith to the good news of Jesus, God, I pray that right now in this moment, Lord, that this is the moment. God, would you shape our hearts to only be satisfied in you? And then, Lord, God, would you show us our satisfaction in you? We love you, God. We are your people who delight in you, who delight in your word, and who delight in your instruction. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.